0: This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. Welcome. This is Doing Translational Research. I'm your host, Tony Burrow, director of the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research. And I'm joined today by Dr. Renata Littau, a professor at Cornell University. Hi, Renata. Hi. Dr. Renata Latao is an assistant professor in the newly established department of human-centered design within the College of Human Ecology. Her research focuses on design as a tool to foster local and indigenous communities' capacity to envision their future and build a good life as defined by their own culture. So thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'd like to jump right into things by asking you to tell us a little bit about your research and I guess a, a way of thinking about this is what are the big questions or question that your work aims to address that's a big question <laughs> It is. we jump in the deep end here.
1: yes it's a, it's, a, it's a big question and I think that the, the, the most important uh, question that my research aims to address at this moment is to connect the way indigenous or marginalized communities see their world with the way that academics and designers see the world. Because mm. many times when we are trying to help, we are trying to collaborate, there is a disconnection. Mm. And I didn't know that there was that much of a disconnection when I started work with uh, indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. But after a few years, I realized that Translation, translation, intercultural translation, is so important, and many people hmm. don't even see the importance hmm. of this this kind of translation.
0: That that's really interesting, I, and I think you just begun to to kind of unpack this. But but let's let's sit with this for a moment. C- can you talk about what brought you to this work? What brought you to this insight of seeing this space between what people? did versus what they understand they were doing?
1: Yes, I worked. Um, first of all, uh, let me start with my background because okay, I'm a I'm Brazilian and I mix race. And I think because my mother and my father had completely different racial backgrounds mm. and they didn't live together, I, w- I was all the time moving to one world to another world. Mm. I was all the time switching. And then when I moved to to Canada, I had to switch to another (laughs) worldview. So I had this practice of of, uh, having to to switch and translate not only the language, but also the ways of thinking. So that's part of my story, of my upbringing, and the challenge that I faced when I started. And I was invited to work in a project with indigenous communities in Canada. And I realized that the connection that I had with the community partners was so deep, exactly because I didn't think as, let me say, white people. Hmm. The fact that I was also someone who suffered this uh, kind of discrimination was so important to create the trust that allowed Mm. my project to develop. And with time, I realized that was something that, that, that usually uh, academics or, or designers, social designers, don't get about creating the, the, the collaboration. So it, with time, it became clear and clear and clear. Hmm. But since the beginning, uh, for me, it was, it was challenging. I did my master's. It was just a case study, nothing very ambitious in a place where I spent part of my youth. Hmm. So I thought that I, I could really understand them, because I could understand the, the, the dialect, I could understand what people said, I, I thought that I loved the people, I had friends since uh, I was a child hmm. there, and I thought that I could understand the, like, the categories, the way they taught, hmm. but I couldn't. Hmm. So. I arrived there, and I, and I asked many questions. What uh, defines Kaisara culture? What are the, the defining features of Kaisara culture? And they always answer in a way that made no sense to me. Hmm. And I would rephrase and rephrase and rephrase the question. And I never got a satisfying answer answer. They would answer something like, oh, it's about m- making use of what we have around. It's uh, about uh, the things that we have around. And for me, it was never a satisfying answer. Then I'm, I was in Canada. I started to work as a research assistant in a project with several First Nations that speak French. And when I was in a focus group with um, Uh, French-speaking First Nation in Canada, they answered exactly the same thing. They used almost exactly the same words, but in French. That's the thing. (laughs) So I had to... to, to, uh, I was shocked that I couldn't understand what the participants of my study were saying, even if I could speak the language. Mm -hmm. So I went back... And I started to, to, to listen to the recordings again and realized that they have always explained what uh, Kaisara culture was. Mm. I didn't have the categories in my mind to be able to, to understand. Mm. So for me, that was a shock that, that really uh, made me think about w- what kind of translation we need to really understand what the communi- communities are, are telling us.
0: So so you're already uh, you know getting into so much of what this podcast is about and what I hope the you know our guests kind of start to unpack you're walking us through your trajectory which involves both your own research explorations and also personal experiences and socialization what's fascinating to me is it sounds like on one hand some of your early life and socialization experiences prepared you, equipped you to sort of have an eye toward these things. You have navigated different kinds of spaces and shown up in different kinds of communities and different spaces. And yet, even a community of which you're from returning to it, it seemed a little bit difficult to, to connect. So it seems intricate and complex that these, mm. these you, can, you can both notice something in the world, but not have an obvious way of connecting to it or your easy answer. And so therefore we need translation. And we need people who can kind of navigate and make sense of information as it exists for communities where, where it is. Um, you've already alluded to this, but let me just ask you more formally so we can kind of talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you involve community organizations, stakeholders, individuals in in the work you do? I mean, it's about communities, but do you involve them? Do you engage them and include them in the work you do? Absolutely. Okay. Can you talk uh, about what that uh, looks like?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not the kind of person who does several small projects. I like a deep dive hmm. into a, a community. So okay. there's something that I think that then you start to form relationships. Then you can really understand how they think, and you can understand the, the situation. So I spent many years collaborating with one uh, First Nation in Quebec. And since I decided to, to leave that project, I have been building relationships mm. with communities in the Amazon forest. Mm. And that's something that uh, to, to, to have the level of trust mm. to be mm-hmm. able to do a project, it's not something that you, you can, can reach in one year or two. So I think you have to really uh, be there for a few years, like Mm. build that relationship so we we can walk together, we can really uh, take risks together. Mm -hmm. Because I I don't think it's fair to try to to really experiment with people that you don't completely trust. That's Mm -hmm. that's something that is important. So what it's going to to what my my the, the projects are about it depends a lot on the community, what they see. Hmm. So I see as a designer what, what design is, For first, first of all, the, what the design is. For me, that's the capacity to think by projects, to think uh, in terms of engaging purposefully with the future. Hmm. So that's when, when we start to be able to, to, to make projects together, we start this, this design process. So it takes time to develop trust.
0: A question we kind of get to here is sort of when working with community partners, um, what are the kind of challenges? And I think building trust can, as you described, can be a kind of challenge. Are there opportunities? That you've encountered, like uplifting, positive, opportunistic experiences, that when you work with community partners, that you've come across.
1: Sometimes it doesn't have to be a, like a deep project. Sometimes you have a red something that is going on that is amazing, and they just want because I'm a graphic designer. So, so some, that you describe that I communicate something that I that I do something to make them more public. That's mm. something that sometimes it works in a way that is that, that is simpler. But sometimes they they really just as the this community that I'm working with they really want the world to understand what they are doing hmm. and people don't understand <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the thing understand that uh, so yes they need help in the sense that that the situation like the political situation the material situation they are. Uh, immersed is difficult. It's challenging. But they are already doing a lot. They are already Mm -hmm. creating Mm -hmm. creating lots of things. So they want to be respected as intelligent Mm -hmm. as really Mm -hmm. just as people who who are fully capable so that's sometimes what is more more challenging how can you you communicate to outsiders that the kind of help they are going to do is not to Mm. solve the community's problem but support what they are already doing to to to, to solve their
0: their their problems like there's knowledge there's know-how there's insight deep insight that already exists in communities and how do you Uh, understand that and appreciate that. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful. When you think about your general area of work, uh, kind of broadly, what are some things you would like the general public to know or to better understand, can you think of a couple of things that, like, this is something I want people to really understand as a sort of a byproduct of the work you do?
1: Oh my God, so many! I, I think I just, just uh, I, I give a lot of presentations. In my presentations, I have a lot I have to explain, a lot to context for life. <laughs> First, what I do. I'm, I'm a graphic designer, uh, and people ask, "What are you doing with indigenous people? What are you doing with mm. my marginalised communities?" But sometimes people don't, don't understand that graphic design, communication design is about just uh, uh, sharing knowledge, sharing information. The, the form, hmm. the, 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 exactly, it's in the form, like books, like podcasts or websites, the form that you share. Mm -hmm. knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it's also about communication of identities. And many times we think about branding and things that that are about consumption, selling products. But it's also about cultural identity. What are the symbols, the colors, the things that that really uh, make you visible? So Many times, I, I think that the graphic design is fantastic. It's a fantastic tool for for social change because it allows invisible communities to really think about what are the important features mm. of their identity. How can they mobilize those mm. features to to make themselves visible? So that's why I think that the graphic design is a little bit uh, misunderstood. So this is one thing that is misunderstood. The second thing is indigenous community that is many times misunderstood as as people uh, lost in the past and Mm. no, they're not lost in the past Mm -hmm. they are communities that that survived the genocide, Mm. that's that's different Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. when sometimes people think that indigenous communities are those people of the past, they are not seen, like the, the what, how much they had to fight and struggle and resist hmm. and create. So uh, usually contemporary indigenous knowledge is the the result of many, mm-hmm. many, many actions that allow them to, to survive. And you have to give credit for all of it. But that kind of knowledge usually is very, very, very invisible. Hmm. The knowledge born in in struggle is the. Sometimes I think it is the most invisible kind of knowledge.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a keen insight that it it's it's invisible or or not seen or noticeable by others, because it's deep. It's it's woven throughout different manifestations and not easily point toable, right? It's not like, hey, there it is. There's the new knowledge, or here's mm-hmm. the flashy study finding that my research. It could be deep in people's minds and hearts and values and enactment, and mm-hmm. that's that's really really interesting. And you that you point out that that's something um, you want people to be to be aware of. So you spoke to change, broad community change. If there were one real world change that you could make based upon your research or the work you do, what would it be and and why?
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) That's the the, the thing that I just, if I could change one thing, Mm -hmm. one thing, something something that, let me just put in context, that I, I thought that I couldn't understand the community that I, where I spent part of my youth because I was educated as an academic. I had Hmm. already this way of thinking that is very Western. And one of the features of the Western way of thinking is that difficult to listen to the other. So it's almost as the fish that is not uh, capable of uh, uh, perceiving the water. Hmm. The water is there, but you cannot see. So if I could change uh, Mm -hmm. something, it's to increase the capacity of people who are completely immersed in Western culture to listen to to the others, to listen to to people who are partially immersed uh, Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. Western culture. Why? because I think there is like a big crisis of imagination nowadays. People uh, can, it's very difficult for for change makers, for designers to really think in alternatives to the system that we have today. And as we are not capable of seeing, listening to other ways, it's also uh, difficult for creativity to create other alternatives. So I think, that if people were able to listen to other ways of being, of knowing, of socializing, of learning, I think that would be something that could um, really help the crisis of imagination.
0: Mm. That's that's a profound change, indeed. So thank you for unpacking that here. Before wrapping up, let me ask, is there anything that you'd like to share about your work? I mean, I know I've sort of peppered you with questions about your work <laughs> and your approach, but, but is there anything you'd like to say or share about your work?
1: I think the, while something that is about my, my work, I think that, that I, I'm here to tell things that people don't want to listen, and they are not just, uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh, sometimes it's difficult because I'm here to show the blind spots. Hmm. When but because they are blind spots, they are really blind spots. Hmm. So sometimes it's a little bit difficult to have my work really recognized why it's important. And it's funny that when people get, they are like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, now I see how important it is, but sometimes it need, I need to be a little bit insistent and have this. Perseverance. That at some point people will get why that this is so important.
0: I, I totally can see that. So sometimes making the invisible visible can be meaningful, but it can be a process, right? A, a process of perpetual work of people kind of coming, becoming more aware of things they had not been previously. Yeah. Really. Really, really interesting. Um, this this was indeed a wonderful conversation. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Tony, for inviting me to be here today. Absolutely. Absolutely. a great conversation.
0: Yeah, I, we, we really appreciate this. Um, I'd also like to uh, thank our listeners for uh, joining us today and our guest, um, Dr. Renata Letao, um, for taking the time to chat with us and share a little bit about her work. Thank you all for listening to Doing Translational Research.